I solemnly swear that I'm up to no good. Are you Tony Stank? Don't get technical with me. She needs to sort out her priorities. That's no moon. I can do this all day. Yeah, I know. So who talks first? You talk first? I talk first. Welcome to the A Plus Z Movie Review Podcast. I'm the A that stands for Alex. And I'm the Z that stands for Zach. And this is the last podcast for 2022. Wow. <laughs> ending, ending a year where we started this podcast uh, with not a very happy movie. Uh, we saw the whale. We saw the whale. Which... We don't necessarily think we're going to talk about a whole lot. There's really not a whole lot to talk about other than, than Brendan Fraser, but we'll get into that part. We'll also give like a year in review. We'll, we'll kind of look back on some of the movies we saw, what are our favorites, what are things we would change, and then we'll give a quick look ahead to 2023. But before we do all that, thank you for listening to us. Uh, very thankful that we've gotten through this first uh, calendar year with, uh, with the podcast. And yeah, we kind of kind of just took a chance on, you know, taking this silly little thing that I would do into making it its own Instagram and then another major step of turning it into a podcast. And you know, and then we're just doing this for fun. It's Yeah. Nothing like we're not trying to be like influencers or anything, but we appreciate Would it be nice? Sure. We appreciate <laughs> all of the support from everyone who listens. Um yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and if you're somebody that wants to support us further or beyond just listening Write to the podcast. Write us a check. My address is. <laughs> no, that doesn't mean we're starting a Patreon. Although, you know, if you want to send us a couple bucks, Don't. Yeah, just let us know. No, let us know. We're fine. Um, but if you want to follow us, our Instagram, where all these reviews I've are. I've said it a lot. I think. Do right, you fine. know what it is? Our Instagram is a.z underscore movie review. That's where you can find all our. Quick thumbs up, thumbs down reviews as soon as they come out before we do the, the longer thoughts here on the pod. And you can also find us on Twitter, a underscore Z underscore movie review. Other things we've reviewed recently include oh Glass boy. Onion. We've been busy. It's been a busy week for Glass sure. Glass Onion. We saw Babylon. We saw Avatar. We saw some other stuff. <laughs> It's all kind of blending together at this point, but today we are going to be talking about the whale. Yeah, we were kind of taking our days off and really uh, using them to the fullest. So apologies for the deluge of content we've given you, but also <laughs> you're welcome for the deluge of content we've given you to, to take in over this holiday season. Between the elephant shit and <laughs> the um, peeing on people... That was just in Babylon. <laughs> and the other gross stuff we've endured. Well, we're we're going to get into some of that today. Yep. For sure. Um, really, really using our time on those days off to take in some high art. Uh, high Hollywood high art, as Brad Pitt's character in Babylon would say. And here's another example of it with uh, the whale. I need to know that she's going to have a decent life. Where she cares about people. And that she's gonna be okay. Directed by Darren Aronofsky. Uh, starring Brendan Fraser in a uh, real uh, 
depressing, sad, not even sad, like, oh, I feel bad for this guy. Just like just a sad portrait of human existence. I don't even know. Like, it's hard to to describe like fully what this is uh, in in, like a a simple term. But I'm still let's just brief synopsis. Yeah, brief synopsis. So basically, the story takes place over the course of five days. following Brendan Fraser's character, um, uh, Charlie, who is uh, morbidly obese. Uh, He's a depressed man that has turned his depressed feelings into eating and become uh, extremely overweight and uh, sits at home, kind of sunk into his couch, uh, teaching online English classes, and going through a lot of health problems due to his, his eating habits and his clogged arteries and the such. Um, He's a shut in. He doesn't go out. He doesn't, yeah. doesn't do anything. He has like one friend. And over the course of this, it's, it's sort of him. It ends up being a story about him making amends with people in yeah. a way of, you know, his friend Liz, that's taking care of him forever, trying to do right by her. Uh, trying to do right by his his daughter who shows up uh, because he left their family eight years ago uh, to go become uh, go live with his, his gay lover, his boyfriend um, and tries to make amends with her. The ex-wife eventually shows up to have an emotional scene and it all kind of culminates I guess you don't want to spoil anything, but it all it's all very emotional and it everything that I've read about this says like, oh, my gosh, I was crying. Oh, you're you're not going to be able to control tears like it's so it pulls at your heartstrings, blah, 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 blah. Not untrue. No. And yeah, I I'll just come out and say it. I had a really hard time with this movie and even still I'm having a hard time processing my thoughts about it. And when I, I get to that kind of point, I just start to say, okay, well, how do I feel right now? How did that movie make me feel? And I didn't really feel very great after seeing that. Yeah. So I'm, I don't want to come out here and say, this is bad, because I think technically it's done really well. The performances are really good. And like there are good bones to the story or like what it's trying to say but like oh my god holy shit i just did i just didn't like it yeah it's like you said it's 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 a hard sit but like i just it, it is incredibly well done and it it i think your emotion processing it is an emotion that it is trying to uh, elicit it's not supposed to be a feel good no happy ending no like you know everyone's friends at the end type of thing yeah and i i can handle that yeah but it's just it's we we saw it with two of our friends and we talking about it afterward i was like this felt like emotional abuse almost it's just a constant just Mm -hmm. like what the hell are we gonna have to go through for this scene yeah it's uh I when we talked about it a little bit last night, I, I I struggled with figuring out what the point is because it's not like there's a redemptive arc. Like I said, he does sort of try to make amends, but it's all 
it, it's not done with purpose. He's making amends just as a, a matter of course of what happens in the movie. Um, yeah, it, I mean, he's, he, he doesn't he's dying. initiate any of this. He yeah. is dying. He Congestive has like heart a, failure. He has a cardiac event and he's basically got a week. So maybe that's, you know, how, what he's doing with the rest of his time, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. The, um, the framing of this and why it's called the whale, it, it's not just the poke at this guy being, uh, you know, obese. It's shown through the metaphor of this essay about Moby Dick. Uh, and the line he keeps repeating uh, from the essay is the 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 it's a it's an essay about the book and the, it's saying that the chapters on the whales were the saddest part to me because it was distracting him from his own sad life or his own sad story of saying that uh ahab or yeah ahab was was distracting you from his sad life by telling you about the whales so it's kind of a yeah it's it's basically saying like this guy has a super sad life and he is distracting away from all of it by eating, by teaching his class, by, uh, you know, uh, interacting with his friend here uh, or uh, the, the, the doctor nurse friend that comes in all the time. Um, and so it's just, sort of, it, again, it, it ultimately boils down to, this is just a sad portrait of some guy's existence. And I don't know if I don't think you're supposed to feel good or redemptive about it. It I don't even know if you're supposed to feel anything other than, wow, Brendan Fraser really tried for an Oscar. Yep. <laughs> you know, because this is it, it's based on a stage play. And you've seen movies like this before in like The Revenant uh, or um, I guess not. It's not the same thing, but what McConaughey does for Dallas Buyers Club, where it's like you you. You have people that this movie it, on its own as a movie, it's it's not fun. It's not something to like the magic of cinema. You're just you're there. You're trapped in this in the house. You don't go anywhere else out, outside of this this house and mainly the, the living room of this house. Mm -hmm. Dealing with Brendan Fraser's emotions and performance and things like that. So this is purely a vehicle for this performance by by Fraser. And when actors take on roles like this, I don't think it's anything. I don't even think this is like, oh, I'm expressing my craft. This is like, this is you trying to just be as emotional as possible. And like the, the goal to me, and maybe this is a cynical way of looking at it. The goal of a movie like this is simply to provide a vehicle of a performance that is award worthy. Yeah. Not even war worthy, but recognizing as like acting talent. Because people have downgraded Brendan Fraser for years because, mm -hmm. oh, he's just George of the Jungle. He's uh, the guy in The Mummy. He doesn't do impressive acting feats. And he kind of disappeared for a while. He was doing some little things here and there, but this just seems like a vehicle to showcase his acting abilities. And that's primarily the point. Yeah. And I mean, all that said, he does a phenomenal job i think absolutely excellent. a lot of the other you know um across the commentary there's most of the things that i've seen as i mentioned are all like oh my gosh it's so emotional i loved it i'm obsessed with this and i was sitting here thinking okay i clearly didn't get it because i don't feel like that at all but 
there are there are write-ups out there of the issues with this film. There are thoughts that people have of Brendan Fraser's great and that's pretty much it. And yeah. I think I can agree with that one. Is I mean he does a good job. He does he has a lot to do. Mm-hmm. But um it's it, of the performances in the film his is the best. His shines like through and through. Yeah. So this is a the other thing that stands out of course is that this is directed by uh did he write this? No. He's director and producer of the film Darren Aronofsky. Um who you might know for things like Requiem for a Dream, The Wrestler, Black Swan, uh, Mother, and <laughs> and then this. All of which have a certain I don't the 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 word that I'm coming back to is like gawking nature of like wow look at this thing whether it's like the like his last movie was mother which he was doing with his muse uh, jennifer lawrence um where she plays like a mother earth character in this house that's like just weird and gross and disgusting and the whole point is like look how gross and disgusting and shocking this is but like or that's the outside view of it to Darren. It's a thing of like, wow, art, art is this, this grotesque figure. It's like, all right, all right no, <laughs> no thanks. Uh, Black Swan is kind of weird too, right? Where you get the, the duality of uh, uh, Mila Kunis and Natalie Portman and it gets extra. Yeah. And it dark. And that's again, the Aronofsky thing of like, look how dark this, uh, the wrestler. I think this is the the movie that the whale is most similar to is the wrestler, where you took a guy, an actor, Mickey Rourke, Brendan Fraser, guys that hadn't been doing a whole lot, and you give them this emotional canvas to kind of yeah play off of, and you get this incredible performance out of it. Now the wrestler had a little bit more going for it than the whale does as a full <laughs> movie, um, but it. The Aronofsky of it is clearly there in the it's it, it's actually absent for most of it, but it is the prosthetics or you're also you're supposed to look at this man and think, wow, look how disgusting he is. He, look, he how even disgusting says that the in, world he lives in. In is. the movie, he presses people to say, am I disgusting? Am I just like it? It's a point that's brought up. Yeah, he, wa- he wants people to be honest with him because nobody's yeah. ever like been square with him about anything in his life, whether it's his, his, his boyfriend or how the boyfriend died or, uh, you know, how he is as a father to his daughter, his estranged daughter, uh, how he was as a, as a husband to his wife, how he is as a teacher, how he is as a, and now just simply as a healthy human being. Um, so that's, that's where that comes in toward, towards the end of the movie. Um, but it is sort of like, it's not a comfortable space. Nope. Though nothing about the movie is comfortable. Nope. And again, that's like right from the get-go. Unfortunately, the point. Yeah. Well, right. So we mentioned that <laughs> this is the second time this week we've had an interesting opening to a movie, where this one opens with him, uh, watching gay porn on his laptop and masturbating. Which, like, is totally fine. It was only awkward because of you as the viewer. That's the first thing we see, and someone and someone has come to the house 
Yeah. And has walked into the room on him. Like it's a, it's an awkward situation to just yeah. like walk in upon. But again, it's a thing of you're supposed to look at him and be like, wow, look at this disgusting yeah. animal just lying in his own filth, masturbating to depravity on his computer screen. How, what a grotesque human this is. Honestly, I thought like if this wasn't such a grounded environment, if if Aronofsky was allowed to mother this up, I could serious I could have seen this becoming a thing where he slowly over time just like becomes more grotesque or yeah. into a blobby mess. Yeah. And you sort of get that he has a break later in the movie after a emotional confrontation with his ex-wife. Uh it because his daughter has come over and is sort of using him to get money and schoolwork out of him uh and he's just like oh my daughter is here i need to connect with this person again because he's dying right the ex-wife comes in and and kind of they have some touching moments some sad moments some angry moments and once she's gone he then has this binge of like which is just to disgusting proportions of like doubling up pizza slices throwing Doubling, ham, tripling, throwing ham fresh out of the uh, the free the fridge on these pizzas, covering it in ranch, making a oh my god, a he peanut made butter a and jelly sandwich, made, dipping no, into the jelly. No, it wasn't even that. It was a Doritos sandwich right. dipped in jelly. It yeah. was it was horrific. Yeah, and most of the eating scenes are grotesque, purposefully. Uh, even just the simple act of eating a bucket of chicken, where uh, just as it's the sounds and he's covered in grease. The, the vision of this movie. And that, that is the criti- part of the criticisms that Aronofsky has gotten is the portrayal of sort of a fat phobic. Yeah. Fat shaming. Yeah. Lens. And that, that is certainly the, I, the, the, the case here. Like he's trying to portray this man as a very sad figure. Grotesque. What has he done to himself? Because they ask that plenty of times where it's like, how did you get so fat? Like, how did this happen to you? And, yeah, you know, he sort of plays it off. Um, what did you think of, of all that? Of the, the Oh, it was, it was unpleasant. I mean, it was awkward. You're sitting there eating popcorn <laughs> yeah. and you just become, become like hyper aware of all of that. Like, I'm eating this popcorn slathered in, you know, goo, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. Not even real butter. It's just like yeah, butter, and, butter flavoring, butter topping. And just, it just, it was, it was just hard to get through. Yeah. Um, you said yourself, you had cookie dough bites and like, you mm-hmm. know, we're getting three quarters of the way through the movie and you're like, oh, I still have two thirds of this bag left. Like, I don't really feel like eating it. And yeah, it's just, it, the, the gross stuff was, was expertly done unfortunately the other thing aronofsky does from a visual standpoint is this isn't in your typical widescreen ratio it's a it's a square it's uh i wouldn't it it almost feels like it's the 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 cut that you would make for imax but it clearly wasn't i think it's just an artistic choice of of making it square um i think again done with the purpose of like making you feel caught in this claustrophobic space yeah, that makes that's probably the most sound argument I've heard for that since I'm, I'm arguing with myself <laughs> trying to figure <laughs> out why that was done. I figured it was just sort of a artistic choice, but um 
no, that would make some sense because you really are confined to this room and and you feel every minute of it. And we were excited going into this one. Not excited, but like we were looking at the runtime like, oh, two, un, under two hours. <laughs> After Babylon and Avatar, we're, we're grateful for anything under two hours. But this one, you feel it. You feel every single minute. And that's where I'm talking about that, like, that's almost like that abusive situation that's just, like, thrown on you. You are trapped in this story for the, like, it's just, ugh, I don't know. It, yeah, it's, it's tough. Now, it, to, to, again, kind of expand on the reaction to the stuff, like, you just have to glance at its list of uh, nominated awards for this entire season from every single awards body. And what is it? Like I'd say 80% of them are best actor. There's a few things in here for like cinematography or adapted screenplay. Uh, but for the most part, it's simply focusing on Brendan Fraser. And as we said, this is sort of the vehicle. I think Fraser Fraser does a lot here. Uh, you know, and it's certainly the there's the the big swings of like a big speech or an emotional outburst, but I think he did so many things subtly that just made this kind of a brilliant performance. Yeah, you had mentioned some last night where it's just those little intricacies that kind of almost go unnoticed, but if you do notice them, you're kind of like, ah, that was a good choice. Yeah, and part of it is the sound design, I'll, I'll, I'll admit, with some of the breathing stuff. Oh, my God. I, uh, yeah. But, it, I hated it because it was so good. Like, there was, the, there was like, wheezing in mm-hmm. a moment where things get tense. There's really dramatic score when he goes into his binge mm-hmm. session that honestly, like, made me kind of scared. I was, like, not, not into it at mm-hmm. all. But, I mean, that's... That's good. That's what you want out of score. That's what you want out of sound design and 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 all of that um, to elicit those kinds of emotions that don't necessarily come through from an actor's performance. But I do think all that stuff goes hand in hand with what Fraser's doing. Oh yeah, because there's the little things like the the shortness of breath and like how he breathes in a scene. Uh, the thing that stood out to me early on was there was a moment where. Uh, he it's it's actually right before a, one of the like most affecting scenes to me the the before that he starts to choke on his mm-hmm. meatball sub he's being handed the meatball sub and there's this little like flash in his eyes of like oh there it is oh i'm titillated by oh food is here because that's sort of what he lives for you you see his routine every day he kind of has the same food the same pizza delivery guy shows up every single day and you know these, there's a small bond formed through the sides of a closed door um, but it's just, it's, it's all that stuff that just, it, it is so good. It is really good on his, on his part. Um, I, I, I don't, I think it's, it's hard to say that there's even another contender in that category at this point. Um, let me, let me pull up what, cause he is nominated for golden globe among many other things. Um, why is it not showing up? Oh, there it is. Uh, also, the thing with the Golden Globes, of course, is that it's he may not show up. I, I'm sure he's not going to because he has a, as we detailed on the Golden Globes pod, he has a um, contentious relationship with uh, with the Globes. So, best performance, 
for drama, he's up against uh, Austin Butler in Elvis, uh, Hugh Jackman in The Sun, Bill Nye in Living, and Jeremy Pope in Expection. We haven't seen any of the other performances here except for the trailer for The Sun. We've seen Elvis. And Elvis. That's, yeah. So, in terms of, like, Based pure on what acting, I've seen from the trailer of The Sun, I could say the same thing about that movie that we've said about this movie. And that this that is just a, a vehicle for emoting award-worthy yeah. performance, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, Hugh Jackman showing his dramatic chops. Uh, and Austin Butler, good, but it is sort of a... The people do give a little more credit for um, impersonation. Yeah. But um, I, I just, in terms of pure acting chops, I think what Fraser does here, in terms of working with the prosthetics, working in, a, in that environment, and the whole thing being centered around him. Like, the movie, as much, I don't think as a whole, as a whole, do you think the movie works? Like, just as a piece of art. Not whether it made you feel good or not. Yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. There have been people that have criticized it as a, as a whole movie, like that it doesn't necessarily come together at the end. And I think that it's leaning on my thing of what is the point exactly. I think, I do think it does, it is a good full thing. But I, what I mean to say is the movie works purely because of what Fraser is doing. Like if he doesn't work, nothing works. And he is incredible in it. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I, don't, I don't really know what else to go on from there with, with him. Uh, we'll touch on the, some of the other characters. The other uh, big name, I guess you could say, is Sadie Sink, plays uh, Ellie, Charlie's daughter, uh, estranged teenage daughter. She is suspended from school and just shows up one day on his doorstep uh, for reasons unknown. Well, he calls her. Did he call her? Yeah. Okay. I thought he was just calling the, the wife again. Oh. Okay. Uh, he left her a message and she just showed up. And she's suspended from school. She complains about, you know, she might be flunking out of her class or whatever. All these things. She is a terror. <laughs> her, her yeah, mother even her mother says calls so. her evil. And I honestly think that is probably an apt description. Um, she's a nightmare. She's just a brat the entire time. She's so angry. She's so like all over the place. She can never have just like a regular, just one-to-one -one conversation with her without her like getting pissy or changing the subject or like turning around in a huff or almost leaving. Mm -hmm. or, and and uh, like ever, I felt so frustrated dealing with her every single time we saw her yes i didn't i didn't like it i was like i'm i was I, like i said i was so irritated went, oh she's back great what bullshit are we gonna have to sit through now but again through all that that is the idea i think sadie sink does an incredible job in this role i like she's overshadowed by everything that brenda fraser is doing but i think i think she was phenomenal in the movie Yes, her character insufferable. Like every time I saw her, I just wanted to like kick her in the head, sort of thing. <laughs> like you were just being terrible. Look at look at this terrible like this this man. 
I don't feel bad for him necessarily, but he is a sad, sad person. And you were just like All stabbing said, this guy, essentially. She has every right to kind of feel that way. Her this is yeah. this man left her and her mom when she was eight mm-hmm. and just sort of straight up abandoned them. Yeah. Um, and they do go through this back and forth several times of like, why'd you leave? Why didn't you try? Well, your mom said no. Like it uh, I I get it, but it was it was like too much. Mm-hmm. There's there's no real satisfying like breakthrough moment between the two of them until the very end. There's no satisfying <laughs> breakthrough moment. Yes, they have a breakthrough moment, but it wasn't satisfying at all. It was yeah. like it was like he's he he's dying and we've already been here for an hour 45. Like of course this is going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's the the point when we mentioned the 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 binging episode that kind of happens halfway or it's two thirds of the way through. That was a moment where it when I'm watching and I you know the the there's the big fight that happens between because the daughter has come over several times. He's offered her money in exchange for for just like hanging around and him like doing her essays for her, helping her through English class to pass high school. And the mother doesn't know about this. The mother does find out about it, and she shows up to confront the daughter and confront uh, Brendan Fraser. And there's kind of a back and forth where they sort of rekindle the nice things about the relationship, but then also get into the parts about why they left. And it kind of goes back and forth and she leaves in, in a huff. And it's that moment of like, before the binging starts, I said, okay, is this going to be the moment where he says, I have to get myself together. I'm going to call nine one one and take myself to the hospital and save myself so that I can save my daughter and her future and be a better person. But no, nope. that's when the binging goes on. So the, the redemption, there was never going to be redemption because this, this moment that was the tilting point, And we went into the, no, definitely not. He is essentially sabotaging himself. He's trying to die in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, because the, yeah, he's he's trying to die. And when you get to the end of the movie, you find out that the essay that he's been reading was her essay from eighth grade, his daughter's. The um, Moby Dick one. The Moby Dick essay. And he has her read it, and he re- as he's dying, he has this moment of clarity where, like, well, she's, she's, like, having an emotional moment where he's dying, and she calls him daddy. And it's like, it is affecting, because you've been building up to this the whole time. Is it satisfying? No, but it's certainly like, like I don't feel like it's earned. No, this moment of he when he finally died. Well, he she challenged him to stand up and walk over earlier. He he does that. He has this moment when the reading the lights flash and he's sort of like you see his feet lift up off the ground, uh, and they take him to this. In his mind, he goes to this moment of the last time they all had a family vacation. They went to the beach and he felt the water and it was nice. Okay. <laughs> and it ended. Yeah. And then it, it ended with, with the white screen, yeah. Um, but, yeah, everybody in this movie kind of sucks. Like, <laughs> there, you, you did mention nobody is likable. No, not this, a single person is likable. And they all... We haven't even talked about the fucking missionary. The, see, who, like, 
it was equally frustrating. Frustrating in that... Misleading, it, pointless. Yeah. Just all these things. 100%. Like, that is something that if... I understand his point a little bit to, again, like... Point that... Say that he's disgusting. Disgusting for being fat. Disgusting for being a gay man. Rejecting religion. Um... But uh, yeah, kind of a pointless detour. Like he's like he he's sort of there to eventually interact with the daughter and show that while she is a a horrible teenager that does horrible teenager things, she also sort of did something to save this boy by sent by doing something to that ends him ends really with him getting sent home. Really, kind of like spinning it right but and that and that's sort of what i wanted to get to i don't feel like she did it with any sort of good intention at all sure she was just being a malicious asshole and everyone else is like oh my gosh she's so amazing she's safe she's i'm going home blah and like yes God, no but no, that no. that is another theme that's going through the movie that i just it made me uncomfortable and i just don't know if it's like worthy of putting on screen Basically, everybody in this movie is awful and selfish to a degree. And with that selfishness, all the bad things that are happening to them or happening to other people, they all sort of justify in different ways. Uh, Brendan Fraser justifies what he does by not helping himself by he's saving money for his daughter. Um, You learn later in the movie that you learn early in the movie that uh, the nurse friend was. uh, her brother was Brendan Fraser's gay lover, and this church that this boy says he's a missionary for, she says that the church killed him. You learn later that he was actually sick for weeks, and then he died. So she's using the church and her hatred to the church to justify, you know, her brother's death, or or you know, hiding the sickness by. Using her brother's sickness, I guess, to justify her hatred against the church. Um, the daughter justifying her shitty behavior because of her dad and her mom. The mom justifying her shitty behavior because of Brendan Fraser. And Brendan Fraser, his really only just justifying is to help his daughter. Everything else he's always, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's like this, these involuntary I'm sorry's that he just keeps spitting out to everybody. He is All the while trying to, like, essentially kill himself by yeah. drowning himself in food. Everybody sucks. And I think, I guess that's maybe a message. Everybody sucks. Everybody's selfish. Everybody's doing their own thing. It's again, not a happy message from Darren Aronofsky in the end, but that's what he was kind of putting out there. Yeah. If you want to be in on Oscar buzz, that would be the only reason to see this. Or if you like these yeah. artsy, introspective thought movies, then okay. You know, yeah, what that, you like what you like, no big deal. <laughs> that's what I would say too. Like we the the inter, the interest here is the Oscar buzz and the resurgence of Brendan Fraser as like a dramatic dynamo. Uh and it's like Brendan Fraser, how could he? No, he he was unimportant for so many years now he's back and now he's doing crazy dramatic stuff that's that's what the movie is selling to you and like i'll tell you he it it does it it certainly does it but 
I wouldn't recommend anyone sit through it unless unless you're truly into it. That sort yeah. of side of everything. Yeah. But that's a. Uh... We literally, when we were walking out of the theater, I just felt so just like anchored down. And I said to you and our friends, I need to just like tip the scales and just go watch like Jackass when we get home <laughs> or something just to kind of. And then what did I do? We watched an episode of, of The Great British Bake Off yes. just to provide a palate cleanser. Mm. Yes, a lovely journey through the creation of bread <laughs> and focaccia. Um, but yeah, that's the whale. Uh, but let's uh, let's let's turn the the positivity up on this podcast a little bit, and let's look back on 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 the year twenty twenty two. All right, let's look at the year twenty twenty two in review. We're recording this on New Year's Eve. Hopefully, uh, I can chop this up real quick and get it out to you so you can listen to it on your way to your New Year's party tonight, and uh, or to kick off your new year tomorrow but let's go back so funnily enough as we're looking back at our list here there's a we didn't see as much as we thought over the course of a year now there's still plenty of these awards movies to come and we did see some of last year's awards movies during this calendar year but we're kind of leaving it for movies that came out this calendar year that don't count towards last year's oscars and are are you know, for this year. So uh, where do you want to start in our, in your talk back? I, um, okay. So basically we're just picking three movies to talk about whether we love them, want to talk about them more, maybe didn't, maybe want to change our thoughts on the um, thumbs up, thumbs down, just, or, you know, whatever. It's just, just three that just stand out to you. So my first one is going to be the Batman. Oh hell yeah. <laughs> um I'm almost a little sad that like we didn't do a show about mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. contrary to most of our friends' uh, opinions on it, we loved this movie. I loved this movie. Um I'm not really well versed in the history of Batman and its films. Um, I went into this one again, being probably a little too negative. Like it's going to be our paths just brooding. It's gonna. Okay. Okay. Superhero movie, blah, blah, blah. This is not that at all. Yes. We get our paths brooding, but like, I can't say enough, like just how I how much I enjoyed it and what I think honestly it was just more surprising to me than anything else I really really liked the Batman and I'm feeling very optimistic about what's to come it wasn't perfect I don't I didn't really like Zoe Kravitz I didn't really buy the chemistry between them like at all even though everyone else was like, oh my gosh, like the, their chemistry is just coming off of the cover. Oh, them on a red carpet. I can't blah, but like I can it. No, <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> it, uh, it delights me to no end that you picked that this. was one of my three. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> it makes, I was, that's when I was, we were doing like a little brainstorming and I was like, man, I, yeah, I, I want to talk about the Batman, but I also want to talk about these other three. So I'm happy that you that you're taking it <laughs> off the plate here for me. I mean, honestly, um, it's kind of crazy, but I think my favorite thing about that movie is 
the score, yeah. Michael Giacchino's score a, is a crime that it's not on the oh, short list. So so good. Doom, 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 doom. So just good. Like, the score is great. The the thing that will stand out for me in like my my Batman like movie highlight reel is I mean I guess there's a couple things. There's the first but the first one that stands out the most is the opening narration from Robert Pattinson's Batman, the it's October 31st it, monologue because that is like of all the Batman movies we've had, that is the most quintessential Batman comic thing. Batman narrating, kind of reading sort of reading out of a journal. It's it's so iconic that it's aped by Rorschach in the Watchmen where he keeps mm-hmm. a journal and it narrates the the bits there. And so just and the the idea that he ends it with that the <laughs> the the bad the, the bad guys out there, they think I'm in the shadows, but I am the shadows. Just like, oh my God, so <laughs> fucking yes. So good. So good. Uh and then the 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 fight later when they're in the dark and the gunshots are lighting him up when he's fighting them. It's lighting the scene. Very cool. Um Yeah, so that one I would say if hopefully, you didn't, if you didn't like it, which we know there are people that didn't, yeah. um, revisit it. You're wrong. Yeah. Like <laughs> Do I admit that it is slowly paced? Yes, but I wouldn't say slowly. I would say deliberately because he's doing detective stuff. It's real cool. I hope to God that the new era of DC and Warner Discovery doesn't mess this up because I think that now that they've established this world, I think it has so much potential to be. Oh, I fully anticipate they're going to they're going to cast someone else as other Batman and they're going to have like two Batman. So this one's going to be like, yeah, you go off and do your own Batman on that island and we'll just do like the synergy machine Batman over here. I don't trust them to do that right at all. Yeah, I I, I've heard that they're going to leave them alone. So we'll see. Leave them alone and let them be awesome. What is your first movie you'd like to discuss? Um, Well, I mean. I'm, I'm, I'm torn. I oh. do. I either want to say something cool, which I do want to talk about, or then there's the the other bat flavored movie from the beginning of the year. You gotta pick one. I just I'll if if I need to fill time, I'll come back to the bat flavored movie. The one I do want to talk about as like a a lift up is the Northman. Oh, okay. Um, you saw that by yourself. I did. And as I think back on it now, I haven't seen many movies this year that gave me the rush that that movie does. And not like, well, I'm sure we'll talk about probably our favorite movie of the year that gave us the, the biggest like adrenaline rush. But this was just like a <laughs> testosterone, like, oh, yeah, let's go to fucking battle. Uh, I think. This is a movie that it sounds like I would have hated it. Honestly, I don't know. I, I, as I said at the time, I would have loved to have seen this movie with you just to see your reaction, like just to gauge how you felt about it, because it is a movie that I described as like one of those put hair on your chest sort of movies. Uh, it is just pure testosterone. Like there's no other way to describe it. Um, artistically beautiful. Um, I think the performance by I forget which Skarsgård it is. Who's the tall, muscular one? 
I think it's Alexander. Alexander Skarsgård. With a K. Yep. Um, now his brother is Pennywise. Yeah, that's, yep. Uh, but Skarsgård's performance is, it's pure Viking. And I know that's like, that's not like a racist thing to say about the guy, but he just embodies it like perfectly. It's just this uh, old world, dirty, grounded nature uh, power that, that kind of courses through his veins. It's so good. I think if this movie had come out in November or December instead of March, I think it would play bigger in the award season. I think it would it would have really captured some part of the awards market that isn't being represented right now. And I, I just I think it's such an expertly crafted, acted, portrayed, visualized movie, because that's the thing. The, the director, Robert Eggers, he had a vision for what this movie is and gives you. And it, it nails this vision to a T. I loved it. And I, I wish it would get more recognition in award season. It won't because of how long ago it was and how it kind of got buried with its box office story. But I just thought it was uh, an incredible piece of art. It was great. What do you got next? My next movie is fantastic beasts. The secret of Dumbledore secrets oh, of Dumbledore. Okay. <laughs> this one is one I'm changing my thumb for. Oh, okay. So, for recap, uh, our thumbs, we both gave thumbs up. It was we, a soft yes. We listed it as a soft yes. Do you want to reread your blurb, what you said back then? A slight course correct, but not perfect, enjoyed being in the universe. So how do you feel about now? Um, It's a total fucking disaster. <laughs> I think I was just sort of like... <laughs> I think I was just sort of kind of clouded by like oh it's it's the wizarding world it's magic mm -hmm. it's you know new doing new things and it no i mean i haven't rewatched it this is just sort of like sitting with my thoughts about it since we saw it in whenever it came out mm -hmm. um may i think no i think it was april um oh you're right it's it's not good it there's things in there that just don't make sense within this canon universe um, I don't want J.K. Rowling touching anything with this world she's created ever again. Um, and uh, it honestly makes me sad because I actually really liked the first Fantastic Beasts. Yeah. Um, I didn't at first, and then I watched it again in a college class that I took and kind of changed my opinion about it. The second one is hot garbage. So this one, Correct. I was, I was kind of like hoping it would, it would, it, it no, 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 it's a mess, and I don't think we're gonna get another Fantastic Beast movie again. Yeah. Honestly, the worst thing, I th or the most disappointing thing is that we don't, we're not gonna get any more stuff with Newt because I think Eddie Redmayne is a great portrayal of an untraditional hero. Um, he's not the biggest you know strongest most best whatever he's just a guy that likes animals and you know just <laughs> gets recruited into dumbledore's bullshit the movies aren't even about animals anymore after the yeah. first one plus like a bunch of other just stuff that isn't correct and really it really makes me sad that 
it went this way, but it is um it is a thumbs down. Yeah, uh, my my blurb at the time was fun and certainly better than the previous, but lacked that extra bit of magic. I don't think I change that. I think I I leave it as a thumbs up. Like I think I think if you are a fan of the Harry Potter universe, like and I, I would say still watch it, but it I like you said, it it doesn't have the things that make all of this special. Like you get to learn more about Dumbledore, and I think that's the strongest part of it is the Dumbledore bits with Jude Law. Um as you said, unfortunately, Eddie Redmayne's Beast got majorly sidelined in the Beasts franchise. Yep. They no longer became, they, were, they became Harry Potter prequels more than they were Harry Potter spinoffs or yeah. Wizarding World spinoffs. I still thought it was fun and, and, and still better than the, than the second one by a large margin. Um, I am a little disappointed that this is the end of that line because there is things that I would have liked to continue to pick up on, but be, because of its box office performance and we when we talked about the Warner Brothers Discovery stuff, it's mostly been focused on the DC. The talk about what's going to go on with the Harry Potter of it all has been lost in the shuffle. Someone actually said, like, the I think it was the Discovery exec or whatever, they were talking yeah. about, like, we haven't had a new Harry Potter movie in a long time. And I'm like, don't, don't even touch it. Don't even touch it. Don't. Right. What if they crossed over with the 90 Day Fiance universe? No. So... <laughs> Every single Potter fan wants a Marauders something. Yeah. That be, would be sick. It would be a perfect but HBO Max series. J.K. Rowling has to like kick yeah. for them to do it because she will have to be involved and nobody wants her to be involved. And Do you think J.K. will push for more of these movies despite the performances? I think she knows better than to do that. Yeah. I would hope she knows better than to do that. Do you think the struggle of this movie helps or hurts the development of the theme park? Because for those that don't know, Universal's making another theme park in Orlando called Epic Universe. And it's rumored most likely to happen that one of the lands in this new theme park will be another Harry oh. Potter land. It will be Fantastic Beasts themed. It'll be kind of not, not necessarily Fantastic Beasts themed, but it's going to be like it sounds stupid but it's gonna be like ministry of magic themed i think you're going in i don't know the ride will be based in those thread of movies mm -hmm. but like i think what you're going to experience is is the ministry of magic i don't know which one but um that sounds kind of stupid but they actually I, this is a little inside baseball but part of the contract with um jk rowling having her stuff in theme parks is that they're always constantly like expanding so they were gonna do this no matter what um i don't know i think it'll i think the theme parks will be fine um i am concerned though because harry potter is a not a bona fide money maker as we've learned but people do go see this stuff if they if they do Harry Potter stuff, people will go see it. So I think they're they they won't be super hesitant to not do anything. The the uh, something will come out in the, like at least ten years, and I hope it doesn't suck. How long is it until the next Harry Potter Wizarding World piece of media? 
How long oh, do you think gosh. it takes? I don't know. I don't know. Five I'd years. Say maybe five years. At, at five years at a minimum. Yeah. It's a long time in in movie she IP content just, world. She should just ride the wave of like residuals mm-hmm. that come in from. She her... should Lucas it. She should. She should Lucas it like sell it. Just sell she it straight ne- up to Universal. She never will. She, she never, never will. will. But I mean, look what it did to Star Wars. And look what it did for Luke. Like, Lucas made $4 billion off of that. I like, know, but she won't do it. Well, I guess Lucas also had all of Lucas' films, so maybe it won't be $4 billion, but... She won't do it. Be, it. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. What is your second choice? Well, the next one, uh, I think, is the high point for us this year, for movies this year. Uh, I don't think it will but I think it would be super fucking cool if it won Best Picture. <laughs> Top Gun Maverick. Oh, man. What an awesome movie. Like, very rarely do we get this much praise for a movie, but you just have to go back and look at our review. You gave it a thumbs up with like a, oh, yeah, face. I gave it a thumbs up and a devil horns for like rock on. Like, hell yeah. That movie was so like you come out of a we we talk about the whale and like coming out like oh man I just I don't know about what I'm gonna do with the next like five hours <laughs> of my life and then you watch Top Gun Maverick you're like holy hell strap me to the back of a rocket and send me to space let's go it's uh it's just incredible it was one of the most incredible theater experiences I, we've ever had despite not like getting center stage like we normally like we were off on the side but seeing it at IMAX. Seeing it with a, a big, lively crowd, it was fun. It was funny. It was thrilling. It was daring. It was, and beyond all that, just how they made the movie elevates this to a, a stratosphere that I couldn't have imagined, especially when you compare it to the first movie or even like, even what Tom Cruise is doing with the latest Mission Impossible movies. This is a different level of hitting all the quadrants. It played for six seven months in the theaters yep. eight months in a movie theater yep. that's that's bonkers you don't get that this is the singular movie going experience of the year by by far yep fully agree i i don't or we did talk about it a little bit in like we, our first recap in one of our first episodes my we did a short my blurb yeah. on that is just peak alex being sassy <laughs> What'd you say? Wonderfully less sweaty than the original. The plane stuff is cool, too. <laughs> I said, this movie rules. <laughs> yeah. Because it just, it did. It is good. It's undeniably so. Even, like, the emotional stuff, like the crap with Iceman mm. was really, really good. Um, yeah. Though, high praises. I Thoughts on Tom Cruise aside, it's a good movie. It's, yeah. I, like... It's uh, it's nominated for a Golden Globe for Best Picture. It, it, uh, I, I don't think it'll win any of these Best Pictures, but the fact that Top the Top Gun sequel is uh probably gonna get nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars is just, it's a crazy thing, and I'm happy for it. And it's uh, it's leading the global box office for the year for now. I'm sure Avatar will come up on it, but like, it played for eight months, like, and not just like. Oh, one one showing a day like it was still getting a full slate of showings deep into its run. You don't you don't get. Moments in movies like that 
often anymore. Nope. And, and that was incredible. So Top Gun Maverick. What do you got next? My last movie um, <clears throat> is going to be more of a commentary, general commentary. Um, my last movie is Lightyear. Lightyear, from okay. From Pixar. Yeah. Um, I still like it. I don't. I think my liking for it has dwindled a little bit. Mm-hmm. Not enough to change a thumb or anything, but I think so. My my broader commentary is that this kind of feels this this calendar year, and maybe the, there are other factors at play here. Kind of feels like a a little bit of like a misstep, not misstep, but like there's something going on with Pixar because usually their movies are like. They they they're smash hits. They're they're locks, basically, for award contention, for just crowd favor, for so many other things. And we didn't really get that with either of the Pixar movies that came out this no, year. And only two. Only two. And, and we're not getting another one until June of next year. That's yeah. an incredible drought. I still love socks. Yeah. The kitty is the best part of that movie. Yeah, meow, 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 meow. But. I don't know. It just I I liked Turning Red. I liked I liked Lightyear, but at you know, I remember when I saw Inside Out, I loved that movie. I loved it. I saw that movie in theaters four times. I liked looking at it. I liked how it made me feel, even like the sad stuff. Like I just I love I love that movie. That is top 5 for me. But these two, I'm like, these are mid, these are bottom of the middle tier at best, maybe. Yeah, I think we sort of tried to place Lightyear, generally speaking, when we did the pod. Um, and it, yeah, it sort of ended in that middle zone. And it just. I, I just, I'm. I don't want to say that I'm worried about Pixar because I, I feel like Elemental is going to be very good that's it getting back to its roots yeah in, in terms of like just high concept stuff it's yeah. just this i don't i mean i don't know what i i like i like turning red a lot and i think turning red tried to do that yeah but it it just it it was doomed from the start because people are assholes but there's lots of good in that one they they really need to go back to these original concepts because that's where their strengths are I'm I'm tired of these sequels. Yeah. These like sequels, ex- expansions yeah. on established IP like it's it we do not need. We do not need another Toy Story movie. Toy Story can be done. Mm-hmm. I'm sure um Tom Hanks would would like to do something else. <laughs> Instead he made a Pinocchio movie and I don't think that was the right move either. Yeah. But I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, Lightyear, um, it just, uh, I'm, I'm glad they put a Pixar movie in theaters again. Like, I'm oh, glad yeah, that's what that I, point. that's also kind of what I meant by like other forces at play here. Yeah. That was the first Pixar movie in theaters since Onward, which came out in March of 2020. Why do they keep sidelining? All of the Pixar movies to straight to Disney Plus, Bob Chapek. Why? <laughs> well, he doesn't get to make those decisions anymore, which is yeah. good. But I just think I, I liked the idea of of Lightyear, but I just 
they tried to do it too, like, realistic. I, like, that's not even what I'm trying to say. Not realistic. Too normal. It's pretty normal, which just, if you're going to do that, you kind of have to make it spectacular. And it was just sort of normal. Yeah. Anyway. Kitty's great. Okay. What is your third and our final film of 2022? Uh, one that I'm going to change my, my thumb on. Oh. I think I know what this is. I think I know what this is. We're going to go to the height of the summer. We're feeling good. Ready to take in our second Marvel movie of the year. Oh. Thor Love and Thunder. Whoa. I gave it a thumbs up. I was wrong. I gave it a thumbs up. I'm uh I'm gonna give it a thumbs down. <gasps> in retrospect. Whoa. <laughs> it's one of those movies that the more I have sat and thought about it, it's just not good. Like Told I think like are there fun bits to it? Certainly. Is Christian Bale phenomenal? Good. He's incredibly good. And I wish they gave him more of a spotlight to actually, you know, butcher some gods as the god butcher. But the more you sit and think about it, it's like, man, the Taika Waititi experiment didn't work the second time. You let him go too far. And it was just too, too goofy, too out there, too loose, too flat. What was your blurb? My blurb at the time uh, was choppy start, but strong second half. It's fun. Christian Bale is phenomenal. What was my blurb? <laughs> Your blurb. Uh, not a fan of this ha- bad joke every 10 seconds style. Felt a bit messy. Bale was a highlight. It just, it's, I, I, I don't, <laughs> I, I don't mean, hate it. It's kind it of as, a thing of like, I told you. <laughs> I don't hate it as much as you do, but I just, there yes the choppy start is still there the second half like there's again there's fun bits but now when i like step back from it a couple months later and look at it as a whole painting it just doesn't it doesn't flow and and since it's come out onto disney plus people have been poking holes in it for a while of like the (laughs) uh visual effects and it's just it's unfortunate because ragnarok was so 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 good nope um and then they just sort of they 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 blew the golden goose, if you will. Like they thought they had something strong to go with here with Taika and all that, and they just let Taika run the show too far. And then it was just in the middle of this phase four, which has been th- thankfully over, uh, but certainly not the strongest thing that Marvel's put out like overall. And is and this was supposed to be that the bright spot in the middle of it, and it just. It didn't it didn't deliver. It was sort of yeah. Are our comments about Pixar something we should be concerned about with Marvel too? Because I'm feeling a little iffy. I would as I, I think I said this in one of our previous Marvel discussions, I'm not ready to declare anything about Marvel on the downslope or dead until we see Quantum Mania. Because as we got deeper into phase four. I I came up on the realization of this phase four is still sort of an epilogue to phase three. It's this transition point where we're still dealing with some of the grief of the fallout of the last stuff. We're trying to set up new things where this is the transition period we're getting through. 
Ant-Man Quantumania coming out in February, and we'll talk about that a little bit more in a second, I'm sure, um, I think is going to be the, okay, we're done with everything else before. We have dealt with the ramifications of all that's happened. Now it's time to jumpstart this forward. Yeah. And we're going to do that by Ant-Man meeting Kang, meeting the big bad for these next two phases, and getting this thing going in an energetic, positive direction that way and leaving the the previous Marvel Cinematic Universe behind and, and starting anew. I would hope so, because, I mean, it, it's, it's the same thing of, like, Marvel movies are usually a lock yeah. for success, and a lot of people really didn't like Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. A lot of people really didn't like this Thor thing. Mixed reviews across the board on all the shows. Yeah, shows shows are up and down for sure. So you know, I I'm a little I'm I'm cautiously optimistic, as they would say. We I'm added- a little I'm really hesitant about Quantumania because, like, it's just another CGI fest. It's just like I, yeah, I the whole know. the whole thing is green screen. But if you're gonna if you're gonna do some crazy stuff with Ant Man, you kind of have to get to that point. But I, we've enjoyed the two other Ant Man movies, so I using him as a. Well, a starting I, point. The first one's great. The second one's fine. Yeah. I just, I think, I think what Jonathan Majors Kang is going to really provide a shot in the arm for the MCU. Um, and, uh, and we'll see how everything else changes there. So I thought you were going to say Black Adam. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to change my, what, did I give that a thumbs up? Yeah. Oh, I did? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well see we again we had that as the slightest yes and i think i would still give it a a slight thumbs up but the thing with black adam now is that <laughs> we look at it in the context of the warner brothers dc it's, mess it's and not op- like on it's, its the own. opposite of don't worry darling where don't worry darling had all the mess and then the film yeah. and then this one has the film and then on the mess yeah black adam is just caught up in the like Hey, remember how we introduced Henry Cavill as Superman coming back and we were kind of excited? LOL, JK. Remember <laughs> how everybody was excited about that? Sorry, suckers. Sorry, no, no Henry Cavill. We're just going to start over. Uh, Crit- like, just just criminal. Yeah, so that's, that's a mess. Um, anything that you just want to give a, a, a quick note on from, from the year that you haven't touched on yet? Morbius sucks. Morbius sucks. And that's 2022. Thanks, everybody. (laughs) All right. So we leave 2022 behind. We now look forward to 2023. And uh, just going through this this, uh, compiled list from, uh, from an Instagram account we follow, 2023 is absolutely loaded with blockbusters. Like, we're... Award season is for that is so, so far away, and I don't even want to think about that at this point. But 2023 in terms of blockbuster films, wow. I know what you're going to be first in line to see Megan. No, we are skipping that. <laughs> uh, but as we mentioned, the thing that's really going to kick off, like January is always going to be dumpy-wary. It's always going to have the bad movies that just kind of get shoved in there. The movie season really starts in February with Ant-Man Quantumania. As we said, Jumpstarting this next era of the MCU. You're, you're, you're lukewarm on this. Yeah. yeah. 
I, I, I want it to do well. I want it to be that, that jump start to kind of bring the MCU back to life because we've kind of been dealing with a lot of trauma. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I again have cautious optimism for that one. So, uh, I am excited to see Cocaine Bear in late February. You are not. I, I have no desire. <laughs> Please, like, go see that one with the boys. Like, please. Uh, yeah. Uh, but truly, the, the, one of the movies that I'm really looking forward to is Creed 3 on March 3rd. The first two Creeds, which are spinoff sequels to um, the Rocky franchise. Michael B. Jordan has been so good in these first two movies. And this one is interesting because now you have Michael B. Jordan directing. Ryan Coogler uh, just stepping back to be a producer. And the, the main fight is going to be between uh, Adonis Creed, of played by Michael B. Jordan, and he's facing off against Jonathan Majors, Kang, coming to the boxing ring. Killmonger rail. versus Killmonger Kang. versus Kang. Yeah, that's... I'm really looking forward to it. You haven't seen the other two. No. You're, are you, you're not big into boxing movies in general, though. I saw The Cinderella Man. That one was really good. Yeah. <laughs> I saw that one at school because we were learning about the Great Depression. <laughs> I mean, what a way to, <laughs> to learn. Um, we'll skip down later into March where mm-hmm. we get back into what's left of the DC universe uh, with Shazam, Shazam Fury of the Gods. I'm reaching that up. point where I'm sick of seeing the trailer. We've well, been seeing that trailer <laughs> since like the summer. Yeah. But again, that it's a movie, good trailer. That movie should have come out by now yep. is the problem. So the fact that it got pu- pushed back into March is it's not its fault. It's that Warner Brothers literally didn't have enough money to put out more movies this year. So they 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 pushed everything after like November into confusion. Literally I think it was it was before Don't Worry Darling when all this was going down. Yeah. And they said, We only have enough money to put out Don't Worry Darling and Black Adam. Everything else is getting shifted. So that meant Shazam moving, which meant Flash moving, which meant Aquaman moving, and yada yada yada. Uh also in March, John Wick four. We saw the trailer for that before the whale. What did I say to you? I actually don't remember. I thought these movies were about a dog. <laughs> the and fir- now the he's first like one. doing this thing where he has to like n- nothing that would imply it's about a dog. No, they were never the first one. The, the, the Kickstarter of the action in the first one is somebody killing his dog. The rest of the movies were never about dogs. He's an assassin and some other assassins killed his dog so he now has to kill all the other assassins wow okay yeah uh and then again a loaded march uh, and i'll tell you i mean i don't know we've we're significantly into the keanu renaissance sure everything i've seen from him in that trailer i'm like why are you talking like a robot yeah his his acting in in the tra- at least in the trailer is uh well i uh need a gun it's like all right, Duke what? Kaboom, whatever. Uh, closing out March, Dungeons and Dragons, the Chris Pine vehicle. Mm. Interested? <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs> All right. Chris Pine is probably my fifth out of five. <laughs> Are there five Chris's? Oh, no. Maybe like There's four. four Chris's. Third out of four. Because I forgot that Chris Pratt is a trash human. Speaking of, <laughs> it's a me, a Chris ah! Pratt. No, I forgot. April seventh, 
this is a movie that just everything about it looks incredible looks awesome animated excellence super fun super colorful action-packed except for chris pratt yeah everything about this looks so good watching the trailers i get super excited i like love all the little references and details everywhere not a minion in sight thank fucking god but it it's it's what what are we doing what who what blackmail does chris pratt have on this industry the that he's like yes i am mario of the mario brothers (laughs) well it's not this year but i can't wait for him to say oh got a case of the mondays i love lasagna oh my god remember he's garfield yes whenever that comes out (laughs) again speaking of chris pratt may 5th guardians of the galaxy volume 3 I'm every time I see that trailer, I just get really sad. Something's going to happen. Like it just feels like it's going to be really sad. Yeah. And I, I, there is like a finality to it. Yes. It's the last one, but it just, I'm, I'm nervous for that one. I don't, I mean, I don't know. I, these movies are supposed to be like fun superhero movies. I don't. Yeah. I don't curious. like getting all emotional about I, it. I, I need to know how uh, he's updating his Zune. In the re- well, he's not. He's listened to the same eight songs for like 25 <laughs> years. So right, but I he's know... probably fine with the 200 that he's got on there. Sure. I mean, I guess they did go to Earth for a minute. Who's Earth? <laughs> well, in, in, uh, in Endgame, they it, show up on Earth. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm Next. Curious, the curious thing with that is, of course, Gamora is still highly featured in the trailers, and we know that that Gamora is not the Gamora. So I'm sure they'll find some BS way of explaining that. Yeah, that'll go through. Next up, in, later in May, oh boy, Fast 10, Fast X. I'm telling you, I have suggested this. Alex has said no to Fast and Furious February, where I catch her up on all the Fast and Furious franchise. She's giving me a glare right now that, I, I don't know if I'm going to make it to the end of this podcast. We have, there's a, there's a theme park influencer that we follow, and she is going through all of these Fast and Furious movies with her, with her husband and their partner with this thing. And she just posts like a list on Instagram of all of her thoughts while watching this movie. I haven't seen one single frame of these, of these, um, <laughs> these films. <laughs> They are cinema. How dare and, you? Uh, so I would just read the list to Zach, and he just starts, like, giggling at the most <laughs> random crap. Like, I just... I love I, these things. They're so dumb, but they're so good dumb. I, I cannot express you the joy these things bring me for no rational reason whatsoever. No. Um, no. Will we find joy on May 26th with the live-action Little Mermaid? They should have made it Muppets. <laughs> Everything should be Muppets. We've established that. I think it'll be fine. I, it's not going to be this cultural moment like the first one was. Everyone's going to be pissy because the mermaid is a little black girl, which is bullshit. Like, it's fine. She sings great. It's not a big deal. But they're going to be mad about it and, like, tank reviews or whatever. Yeah. It'll probably be beautiful. I'm sure there's going to be an original song in there that will try and get Lin-Manuel that O and E got. Oh, I, is, he, is he doing the music for this one? I believe so. Oh, interesting. 
So he, is, I mean, he loves Little Mermaid. He named his first child Sebastian. I, I was going to ask, in <laughs> Under the Sea, is Sebastian going to break out in a rap? I, I hope so. <laughs> All right. Uh, next up is uh, the most loaded month of the year. June next year is going to be Ooh. spectacularly busy. Opening with Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse Part 1. Or Across the Spider-Verse Part run. Yeah, that one looks really good. The first one, so fun. Yeah. We saw it immediately, and it actually came out. Like, the day it premiered, Um, it was like two, one, was it one or two? I think it was one day after Stan Lee died. Yeah. And so, and there's a very poignant moment in the in the first one with... A Stan Lee character, and that absolutely just pulls at heartstrings. It always fits eventually. It's very, for an animated movie, it's beautiful. Yeah, and this one is going to be more ambitious with the animation. Yeah, I'm Every really excited about that. Every universe they go that. to, different animated styles. I think they said at least five different styles of animation. So let's see how that goes. It'll be good. June 9th, Transformers, Rise of the Beasts. <laughs> June 16th, The Flash. Uh, We're just skipping over We'll go and see The Flash. I'm going to hate every second of it because Ezra Miller is a trash human. Yeah, The Flash. But it's supposed to reset everything. Well, it was. I don't know what it's going to do now. because Do they? The problem is... I don't know how much it's going to reset because there's still two DC movies left on the calendar in the, yeah. in the next year. I just... I just don't know what is going on there. Again, when it comes to, I'm very interested in that movie simply to know what the hell is happening. Yep. What the well, hell is happening? And we've, we've heard through the grapevine, not through the grapevine, but like there have been reports over the last few months that like test audiences say that it's really freaking good. And I'm, that's the thing. What if it's the best thing we've ever seen? I'm, just, I'm uh, hesitant. Cause you know, anybody can say anything and especially when they're paid. Yeah. June 23rd. Pixar back on the big screen. Elemental. It looks it looks really good. Just the little teaser they've put out so far. I I wanna like go through it frame by frame and just like look yeah. at everything. It looks so, so, so stunning. Zootopia meets inside out meets the elements of the world. Avatar, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh Avatar the Last Airbender, not yes. Avatar James Cameron. Uh directed by Sox. Yeah, Peter Peterson. Uh, June 30th, Indiana Jones. This is the fourth one, right? You say that every time and it's never funny. I think so. No, Indiana Jones and the, oh, the Dial of Destiny. Yeah. The photo's really small on my <laughs> phone. I thought it said dirt. <laughs> uh, he's old as dirt. Yeah. Uh, in, oh, in holy movie. shit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I hope this redeems the travesty that was Crystal Skull. I think it will. I mean, just it, it looks nice. it looks looks really nice. It looks really uh, energetic. And, you know, I think uh, pairing him with um, Phoebe Waller-Bridge could be interesting. He might bring in an energy that uh, the poorly departed Shia uh, does not. Mm. <laughs> they apparently they will address what happened to. Oh, really? But in the movie. Yes. What about Marion? I don't know. OK. Uh, July 14th, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, Part 1. Nope. Again, if you listen to the end of the Avatar <laughs> pod the other week, we saw the preview of the behind the scenes of him jumping off, uh, Tom Cruise jumping off cliffs with motorcycles several times. Can't wait. 
Insane. Can't wait. July 21st, surprisingly one of the most anticipated movies of the year, Barbie. Barbie. The teaser looked good. Margot Robbie looks amazing. Incredible. I have Gosling. no idea what this Stunning. movie could even possibly be about. The photos that have come out over the summer when they were filming, mm-hmm. they're just <laughs> they're just amazing. It's so funny. I I do laugh at the at the note that the internet has made of remember when this movie was gonna have Amy Schumer in it? Yeah. It, I think it I, it must have done like a full like yeah, overhaul. You couldn't have done the same movie like no offense to anybody but like margot robbie and amy schumer are not the same person nope in 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 acting chops in looks in personality in so many things so yeah curious to see that i i can't believe that this is going to be one of the biggest movies greta gerwig directing could be interesting uh coming out the same weekend as barbie you have you have two doors to choose between. <laughs> you have Greta Gerwig's Barbie in bright pink letters, <laughs> and you have Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer about the making of the atomic bomb. Yeah, where Chris Nolan reportedly the the nuclear bomb that we see go off in the trailer in the film, not CGI. He somehow recreated the look of a nuclear explosion practically and filmed it our IMAX viewing. Again, anyone can say anything. <laughs> I've seen <laughs> people have shown like the set pictures. He created a small nuclear bomb. I don't know what the hell he did. I don't know if he it the trailer how much looks, radiation he suspended. The but. trailer looks like it like this just seems like another like Christopher Nolan like well crafted visually. Yeah. W- like well done movie and All i just timing yeah. i just sit there and i think what if it bombs not in like a haha bomb but like <laughs> what if this movie actually is terrible i'm front of the line for anything christopher nolan i will i like i i can't wait i don't know what i'm gonna experience but i will well, experience you something. go to oppenheimer and i'll go to barbie no, i want to then... see barbie too <laughs> okay well after we'll just we'll go our separate double, ways no double feature oh God. spending an entire afternoon uh rounding out july uh again back to the mcu the marvels where we get the the meetup of uh brie larson uh iman valani and uh, monica who plays monica rambo i don't remember ah, but monica rambo carol danvers and um oh gosh <laughs> what's her character's name in miss marvel oh man i don't know God, I feel it'll bad be good. about not I think it'll be good. It might be fall victim to getting review bombed again, even though it's yeah. probably going to be great. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm curious because I did enjoy Miss Marvel. And uh, I don't I, I think Captain Marvel needs a redemption. And I did enjoy Monica Rambeau. So. Um, Kamala Khan. Up, Kamala Khan, of course, a good alliteration. Never, never hurt anybody. Um, in August, we have a new Ninja Turtles movie. News to Elmo. <laughs> uh, I'm going to do a quick Google on Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem, August 4th. My computer is clearly listening to me. Oh, uh, gosh. Okay. Computer animated Ninja Turtles film. Uh, no, oh. get them in those, like, theme park character suits again. 
Those were awesome. Those movies are great. Okay, so there's casting. Seth Rogen is in this. Oh, he's a producer. Sorry. Uh, yeah, okay, so it's produced by Seth Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg, the people who brought oh, you Oh, so Super it's going to be Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles x The Boys. Party. Oh, no. <laughs> or The Boys. Uh, Dylan O'Brien is Leonardo. No! He can't come back to the Teen Wolf movie because he's been doing that shit? <laughs> oh, my God. James Marsden is Splinter. Yikes. Uh, Shaman Brown is Junior is somebody. Oh, his name got cut off. I assume he's Raphael. Uh, Igby Rigney is Donatello. Cody Christian, Michelangelo. <laughs> no. Again, this he is. He is not a Michelangelo. It's a CGI. So these are all voice performances. Just, but Oh, God. Yeah. So look forward to that, I guess. Uh, damn it, Dylan O'Brien. God damn it. <laughs> Uh, August 18th, uh, back to the DC universe with Blue Beetle, which. Oh, yeah. Okay. You were excited about that. Yeah. A uh, Latin American uh, superhero, which we love to see some inclusion. And, uh, you know, I didn't think that we'd ever get to the Blue Beetle rung of DC films, but here we are. And I think if, again, if we're looking for something to be a bright spot in the DC universe, that maybe is something they could latch onto going forward. Maybe it's Blue Beetle. I'm I'm excited for that to new, to fresh, come in. no like serious historical prior expectations. Yeah. Uh, October sixth, we delve back into the Morbius universe. Oh, Craven the Hunter, as played by Aaron Taylor Johnson. No. Craven the Hunter, one of a famous rogue gallery of Spider-Man villains. So he's in the Sony Spider Verse alongside of. Vulture, not well, yes, now Vulture because he got transported over. Um, Morbius and Venom are all in that uh oh, side of the dear, world. Oh dear, so we'll see what goes on. Uh, skip all the way to November 3rd, Dune Part 2. Very excited for okay. this because, well, <laughs> as we said when we saw the first Dune, we didn't have the podcast then, but it's in our review, and we've I've said it to people out loud since then. I'm willing to wait to judge the whole thing as, as a complete movie. Cause when you see Dune part one, it clearly just stops. And it's like, here's the end of the first part of the story. And you're like, well, it was just getting interesting. Why did you do that to me? So now that they've established the world and you've got everything going, is this going to be the incredible capper? Could this be an awards blockbuster? Interesting to see. Speaking of Timothy Chalamet, <laughs> December 15th. Willy Wonka. Who needs this? Uh, I don't want Timothy Chalamet to be Willy Wonka. Nope. Next. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, December 20th, we have another Ghostbuster sequel. We didn't see the last one. I... Is that... Is that the... Oh, was Paul, Paul Rudd, Rudd in Finn, that one? Finn yeah. Wolfhard, yeah. Yeah. Okay, whatever. Uh, yeah. Can't, can't say anything. Rise Christmas, the Nostalgia Train. And then Christmas Day... It got pushed from this Christmas Day to March to June to Christmas Day of next year. Aquaman 2. Jason Momoa's last ride as Aquaman? Question mark. Will Amber Heard be in it? No idea. I hope not. Uh, It's such a mess. We'll see. It's a year from. It's literally a year from now. Literally a year from this. They'll probably push it again. Who knows? That's the thing is... (laughs) 
when it comes to some of the Warner films on here, the DC films in particular, uh, they say they're on the calendar for next year. I don't Everything know. is optional. I don't know if they will be. But that's, uh, that's our look back, our look ahead. And uh, Thank you so much for sitting with us. Yeah. We're still kind of trying to find our footing with, with this Instagram and this podcast, but we appreciate all of you taking the time to listen to us jabber on. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been an incredible start. Uh, you know, we've we've been busy the last few months. We're trying to be more regular with this, and uh, and we certainly will aim for that in 2023 as we continue to go to the movies and talk to you about the movies. So, from both of us here at the A Plus Z Movie Review Podcast, Happy New Year! Happy New Year! And, Happy Holidays! And we'll see you at the movies. Bye.